We're back. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this is Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... Today we have decided to talk about books and movies that we read and watch whenever we're in kind of a downer sort of mood. Yes. Our comfort reads and comfort movies. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a pithier way to phrase it, but I'm at a loss. What gives us a happy? Yes, that's right. What gives us a happy? You want me to kick this off? Yeah, you may kick this off. All right. So um, at first I was thinking about what, what inspirational stuff do I read or, or go to when I'm, when I'm feeling down in the dumps. And really what I do is put on movies that make me happy. Okay. And get me back to a better place. And the first one that I can think of, Galaxy Quest. Oh my god, it's been a thousand years since I've seen Galaxy Quest, and I always mix it up with Mars Attacks. You're canceled. I know. You're you're canceled Everyone's canceled. Oh my (laughs) gosh. So the thing with Galaxy Quest that makes me happy, you have these people who... This sounds like the life I would have had had I made a career in Hollywood. You do one (laughs) thing kind of good... Then 20, 30 years pass by, and all you have are little comic cons you show up to. Oh my gosh. So you're sitting there thinking like, oh I would totally buy Sabrina Monet merch. I know, right? We Uh, need to to crash Comic Con and have our merch. I I would totally be like those guys from the show Supernatural. Mm -hmm. Like that show's been on air for how many years? Show up at those things, give people autographs, shake their hands, that sort of a thing. But the reason why Galaxy Quest sticks resonates with me, they didn't think what they did was important. And then they find out that there was an entire planet of people who saw their TV show, thought it was real, and were inspired by it. And so I have to say something that I believe people need to hear when they're down in the dumps. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Woolwyn, you shall be avenged. Do you remember that line? Vaguely. Alan Rickman was in that movie. Mm. And he played this character who that was his oath that he gave. And all the geeks at Comic-Con, even the people who were on this planet that was destroyed, who were looking to planet Earth for help, that line is what they went to. And the reason why this movie stays with me is because if you think about the end or you think about like when you're down in the dumps... Don't you just need Alan Rickman's voice to come in and tell you everything's going to be okay? You are not wrong. Yeah. Oh my god, I love Alan Rickman. May he rest in peace. Yes. So, Galaxy Quest, that's one of my, oh, and there's also another line, oh god, what is the kid's name? Not kid, Justin Long, or Justin Longs? There is a Justin in that movie, and there's a scene where he's talking with the people on the other planet, and he's trying to help them land their spaceship. Because that's how hard he studied, like, the Trek show. And his mom's like, take out the garbage. And he said, Mom, what I'm doing here, the fate of the universe depends on it. (laughs) And we all say that about our lives. But for that split second, he was actually telling the truth. (laughs) That that gets to me. And then I'm like, oh, yes. Save the universe. Save the galaxy. And then I get happy again. And I forget why I was sad. Aw. You're looking at me like, okay, that was... No, was... I'm not looking at you funny. Did you ever get into Galaxy Quest like that? Not like that. I mean... Or or, or I'm... Trekkie films like that. Not really. Okay. I, I know you don't do fantasy. How are you with sci-fi? Star Wars, Star Trek, 
Star Trek Next Generation or Legacy? The any of it? first three Star Wars movies, of course, I did that. Yeah. Never bothered with the sequels, never bothered with the prequels, just only the original three. That is all I need in my life. Okay. That is it. That's it. End of fucking list. All right, cool. <laughs> and I really wish George Lucas didn't go and feel the need to fucking remaster the original shit either. It's like, why, why even do that? He actually kind of ruined the franchise. <laughs> Because he wanted to change stuff other than just beefing up the special effects and whatever. Because for the first, for the original three. On shot three, first. Yeah. Wasn't the original three just him sort of ripping off Kurosawa's work anyway? Mm-hmm. And putting it in space? Mm-hmm. So then when he came back and wrote his own material for the prequels, it was like, what? It's like, don't bother. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. <sighs> what, when you have a sad, what gets you back to center? I'm going to start off with the movie as well. Peggy Sue Got Married. Love it. You've seen that one, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Kathleen Turner and uh, Nick Cage. Yeah. Of course, every time I watch it, I keep hoping she's going to marry... Oh, God, what was his name? Um, The nerd guy. Do I have to IMDB this? You might have to. He becomes a millionaire and everything. It's like, yeah, marry him for his money. Come on, Peggy. Don't marry Nicolas Cage. Fuck that guy. Not literally. (laughs) Fuck the beat, Nick. Marry the nerd. Kill Nicolas Cage. That's my Peggy Sue got married, fuck, Mary kill game. Are you talking about Barry Miller? He played yeah. Richard Norvig? Uh-huh. Okay. Richard Norvig. That was his name. Gotcha. Jim Carrey was in this movie, too. Yes, he was one of the doo-wop guys. And he was a dentist who did a lot of coke at the reunion. But I love the idea of kind of being able to go back in time, knowing what you know now, and seeing what you could change. High school. I'm, I'm that person who always wants a reset button. I would love a reset <laughs> button. If I could go back to Sabrina in 1999, Google, Facebook, that's what I would whisper to her. Invest in Yahoo. Offer to buy that gun shack in Emeryville. Whoa. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. Before it got gentrified. Invest in any kind of a parking lot in Fremont. It's going to be worth something in the future. <laughs> Yeah, buy a house in Fremont. Exactly, because in the 90s, no one, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, you know, I'm thinking about buying in Fremont. And then now it's like, you know, if if, if... if if you try and buy in Fremont, you can't afford it. Exactly. Now it's like, you know, there's this place called Foster City or Hillsboro. That's exactly where Fremont's... <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I understand what you mean about a reset button. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a Coppola movie until recently. Even when you saw Nick Cage in it. <laughs> oh, they, oh yeah, that's true. He's um, part of the the Coppola tribe. I don't. I got a soft spot for him. There's a couple of movies that he's done that. Yeah, he's done a lot of shitty movies because he's um, in a lot of tax trouble. He owes a lot of back taxes and whatnot. So he's like, okay, fine, I'll do every fucking movie I can to pay off this big old tax bill. You know, no one thought he was going to get out of that. Then he came out and did a National Treasure sequel, and boom, he was taken care of. So mm-hmm. <laughs> utilize hey. the skills you have. Hey, do what you, you do what you got to do, you exactly. know? Okay, so speaking of shitty movies, God, what was it, Jaws 3 that Michael Caine was in? It was a really shitty Jaws sequel. And, and some reporter was trying to give him shit about being in the movie. And they asked him, oh, have you seen Jaws 3? And he said, no, but I've seen the house it built. Good for you, and Michael it's wonderful. Kane. Exactly. Yeah, so sometimes you just do what you have to do for the money. I would totally. 
there isn't a B movie out there that couldn't hire me for something. Mm-hmm. Gosh, why did conversations always end up with either talking about men or money with us? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag priorities. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So Dudes and money. Dudes and money. <laughs> In our analytics, we still have that one Romanian listener. Yes, we do. Hi, Big Nasty. <laughs> Hi, Florian. He'll always be Big Nasty to me. So obligatory Big Nasty shout out. Yes. We hope you're eating pizza and doing well and reading those scripts out in Romania. You land that next gig. We'll go to the movies and watch it. That's right. So um, Peggy Sue is was your second one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it was your first one out of the gate. I'm going to follow your lead with something in a similar vein and a movie that I watched that uh, I would really, that makes me happy. And I wish I, I had the soundtrack, but it actually doesn't exist. The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag. Oh my God. It's been a thousand years since I've seen that one. Is that, um, oh God, who is it? Is it, is it Laura Dern who was in that? It's not Laura Dern. It's on the tip of my tongue. Let me give that a Google. Penelope Ann Miller. Okay. So the gun in Betty Lou's handbag, she's a librarian and her Mm -hmm. cop husband is sort of like doesn't really pay attention to her. And she finds a gun from a crime scene (laughs) and they find it on her. But when they're all asking her questions and she just gets upset and she lies and said, it's my gun. And then it just gets her into all these (laughs) hijinks. The reason why I like the movie is because she sort of came into her own. Mm -hmm. And then it ends with her making out with a cute boy in the stacks of the library. Oh, and who plays the cute guy? Um, Eric Thal. He's a character actor. Hmm. But he has like this look to him. It's He's like in the John Hamm family. That, that oh, sort of okay. manly man kind of. Manly man. Yes. The square jawed. Yeah. Chiseled rugged man. That thing. Um, I have a nine to five, but I can also fix your kitchen sink if it's broken type of look. And I, like I know that how to change a tire. That guy. Hey, a man who can change a tire. You know what? Um, these are, I, I have new qualifications now. Okay. Um, change a tire. Know how to fix anything with plumbing that breaks down. Like the little simple things so someone doesn't have to pay an arm and a leg for someone to show up and um, replace a washer. Oh my God. That's like the, um, have you seen the Red Green show? There's this old Canadian show that's on, that's on public TV a no. lot. No. How long has it been on? Like since the 80s or 90s or some shit? Red but anyway, comedy. it's kind of one of those handyman type shows, but it's also a comedy sketch show. Oh, fun. And the motto on there was, if ladies don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Exactly. Do you know how much work at the house I could get done if I knew someone who knew <laughs> how to lay cement and tile? Can't be that hard. <laughs> Red- and yet it's hard to find someone with those skills. Exactly. Who doesn't charge the same prices as a cardiologist. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. But the gun in Betty Lou's handbag, there is a song at the end. You're good with music. I can't find this song. If I can find the song, I don't have to watch the movie over and over again. But the chorus is the same. I had to lose myself to find myself to find you. I would need a tune. I had to lose myself to find myself to find you. Vaguely familiar. It's a very 90s song. I love it. I don't I'm going to have to Google it. I think they did it specifically for that movie and it never became a hit. So it doesn't exist anywhere. I'm going to see if I could YouTube it. Except in they have movie. a YouTube of everything. If you could find a YouTube of that song, 
That okay. would be amazing. Okay. From Gun and Betty the Listeners Sandbag. out there. Sabrina or Carly at procrastinationplanet.com. Let us know if you know that shit. Thank you. So finding a gun, pretending it's yours because you want a little action in your life. Have they been reading your diary from the future when they wrote that? I think so. That sounds like something I would do. Okay. Except in the end, she did something that was sort of stupid that I wouldn't do. The big bad drug dealer whose gun it did belong to, mm-hmm. she actually sees him. And she's not, she's unable to pull the trigger. That would never have happened to me. You would have shot the motherfucker. Yeah. The, no, he wouldn't even have had a chance to say, you would never, pow, done, taken care of. Got it. They had her husband pull the trigger. In the, uh, yeah, it was one of those moments. Boring. Where like she has the gun in her hand and then something happens and the gun falls and she's crying because she thinks she's about to get shot. And then boom, her husband comes out, shoots the bad guy and grabs her. Okay, I think I'm getting that movie mixed up with, um, oh, what's that one? Are you getting it mixed up with the movie Cookie? No, I'm getting it mixed up with, um, something, Ruth, it was the Laura Dern movie. Um. Wild at Heart with Nick Cage? No, something Ruth. Ruth is in the title. Ruth is in the title with Laura Dern. Yeah. We're not moving on until we find out what this is. No. Citizen Ruth. I'm getting that mixed up with Citizen Ruth for some reason. Citizen Ruth. I cannot say that on the microphone. What the fuck? Citizen Ruth. Yeah. She's pregnant and and for some reason the whole public is divided between whether she should keep the baby or not. Yeah. Wow, that movie came out in 96? It was Mm -hmm. that long ago? It felt like yesterday. Yeah. I... Why am I conflating those movies? I... 90s movies with blonde actresses. Maybe that's... I don't know. Yeah. Okay. We can move on. I get a lot of them mixed up. In Penelope Ann Miller, she went straight from Betty Lou's handbag to Mm -hmm. Year of the Comet. Did that one ever get mixed up or stuck in your head? I never even heard of Year of the Comet. Oh my gosh. So she's a sommelier in the film. Let me just tell you this real quick. Sommelier? How do you pronounce the, it? What, oh, the wine person? The wine person. Sommelier. Sommelier. What did I say? Sommelier. 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 So... It's like 110 simoleons for this bottle. <laughs> so they go in search of this rare thousand-year-old wine bottle. And so I'm like 10 or something when I see this movie. <laughs> and um, it turns out that the, the adventure guy that was with her, her, her partner in crime, Tim Daly, he's a billionaire, but he never told her. So in the end, the, she's about to lose the bottle that she's been searching for. And he buys it for her. And she's like, okay, now I can go in our collection. He's like, no, you've been looking for this forever. Here. And he pops it open. She goes, don't do that. Because it just basically took away the value. They have to drink it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are we waiting for? So he pours it. And they both take a sip. And they don't know, is it going to be the nectar of the gods? Or will it be vinegar? So he tastes it. And he says, holy, Wow. And he gives it to her and she drinks it and she looks at him and she goes, wow. Then they put their glasses down and kiss and that's the end of the movie. And I'm sitting there going, what the fuck was in the glass? They never tell us. I'm going to bring this to a more literary sort of realm. Well, not capital L literature, but I'm going to go with the Tales of the City series by Armistead Maupin. I loved that too. Oh my God. That Talk about a comfort read. Yes. Every time I've read these books, I feel like the whole Barbary Lane crew is my family. This is the series that made me want to go to San Francisco. And I miss that San Francisco. Now San Francisco is all about tech bros and yeah. fucking yuppies and 
the artists and the fun types who made up the city now can't afford to live there. Yeah. So fuck you, tech bros. But anyway. The mission isn't what it used to be. No. It's not that cool, fun place you would want to get off on Bard and look at. It's just... I used to go into the little shops and go into the coffee shops and they had a clothing by the pound thrift store. Oh, wow. So I found some really cool shit there too. But anyway, with the Tales of the City series, I love the idea that you can kind of make your own family. Yeah. Because everyone in the book is kind of, they're kind of misfits in their own way and they don't fit in with their communities of origin. I mean, even Marianne, who is the most conventional of all of them, kind of has that little wanderlust streak. She would not have been content being a Cleveland housewife. No. And in one of the later books, Anna Madrigal was saying that Marianne Singleton should never have been married. Apparently, they are going to do a series for Netflix. I think it's going to be the continuation books from what I've heard. Oh, wow. Because Laura Linney's going to be back reprising her role. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Because I know there were, gosh, I remember Tales of the City, more Tales of the City, further Tales of the City. And then in the the 80s, they had Baby Cakes, Significant Others, and Sure of You. That was when when Michael had um, gotten diagnosed with HIV. It was one of the first books to tackle the problem of AIDS. I think it was, um, it was about the mid-aughts that Maupin decided to continue the series. He kind of wanted to show where everyone left off. He had um, Michael Tolliver Lives, and let me see. I felt like that one was a little bit rushed, but I felt like it was fun to kind of catch up with the old gang. Yeah. And he introduced a few new characters. And then there was Marianne in Autumn, where Marianne comes back. And then there was another, I think there was another book that was written recently too and it's killing me that i don't know what it is i've got to binge watch that show before the new series starts Mm -hmm. i'll start from the very beginning oh yeah i know showtime did a reboot because it was originally a series done in the 80s yeah pbs i saw that first go around it was playing on it was pbs yeah and then there was a showtime reboot i never got around to that one Mm mm-hmm But I have Netflix, so I can see the continuation episodes. Yes. But this was also, as far as I know, one of the first series that discussed trans issues as well. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, he used the 70s terminology of transsexual and sex change, and those aren't terms that we use in the 21st century now. But it was the terminology of the time, and he still handled the subject with sensitivity. And he still treated... I mean, okay, this, this series is like 40 years old. So I think, I think we can say that, um, that it's Anna who's the trans woman in yeah. this. So it was actually, when did he write it? Because I remember the 90s it showing up on TV, but the books were from, was it the 70s? Did he write in the yeah, 70s? it started off as a serial column in, I believe, The Chronicle. In The Chronicle. So you were in love with a 1970s San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And was it the 90s you got here? No, it was the 2000s. Yeah. You were a baby in the 90s. (laughs) You got here in the aughts. Yeah, my age is showing. No, because I remember if I had to, just being from the Bay Area, the 90s is when it started to lose that that feeling, that that San Francisco feeling. Whenever they stopped letting you smoke inside bars is around (laughs) when... (laughs) 
Although I wouldn't want to bring back smoking inside bars. Why not? Because then you have that stale smoke smell everywhere. It's real life, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) It's real lung cancer. (laughs) But no, I think that that would have been the 90s, I believe. Mm -hmm. When it started to slowly just... And when did those fuckers get here? It was the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first literary pick as far as comfort goes. Nice. Do you have any literary picks or are we going all movies on you? Okay, I do have a literary pick that... No, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to let you do that one. Ooh, what, what is it? Shit, I'll just do it. So the past couple of years, a go-to for me has been the first three books in the Outlander series. Okay. I'm a little embarrassed about this, but it's, it's, um, it's a love story. So, it's 2019. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. No book shaming. <laughs> no book shaming. So the Outlander series, and the only thing I like about it is the time travel. That she's in the 1940s and she goes back to the 1700s and just sort of chillaxes there and hangs out with Jamie. And I like that. And I'm like, you know what? If I ended up getting sent back 200... Well, actually, no. I, I wouldn't want that to happen. But you know what I mean. Just a simpler time. Not a simpler time. Just mm-hmm. a... Let me get out of here and go live in a haystack real quick. <laughs> because it's not like she went there and had to deal with a lot of shit. Well, she did have to deal with a lot of war shit. But for 50% of it, they were out in a farm in the middle of nowhere and no one could reach them. I don't know what that means. Is that escapism? Just go live on a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sometimes I get this idea in my head that I want to live off the grid and... Yeah. Have a homestead and... Live off the land and... Yes. Then I remember that I'm aggressively indoorsy. And that I also like having public utilities and indoor plumbing. Damn it. <laughs> I know. Can I just have the wardrobe of the 17 and 1800s? Because I would not mind a corset. I want a corset, but I also want the right to vote and indoor plumbing. And no cholera. And no cholera. That's not that bad of a list. I think my standards might be very high. Something from this from the 1800s, though, a teak bathtub. Mm. That would be nice. I wouldn't mind that now. We'd have to check all the antique shops and see if we can find one that's refurbished. But the thing with me is... Although teak and mahogany are rainforest woods. So it wouldn't... Yeah, it probably would not be a very sustainable thing. Okay. The rainforest is our lungs. Okay. The lungs of the planet Earth. But you see those teak... The only thing with me is I like to sink into a tub. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could even comfortably go into an 1800s tub. They were little then. Oh, yeah. So I'm like... Is I look it- at a lot of 1800s stuff and I'm like, how does anyone fit in anything? <laughs> exactly. They didn't even do queen-size beds mainstream until, God, was it the 50s or something? Like mid-century. We had a bed from the 30s, and the biggest it got was full-size. Oh, full-size. was There was no California king in these, these yeah, days. Yeah, none of that going on. Last year, I was overseas, and we were getting into this car, and I was like, wow, does everyone drive compact cars here? <laughs> and the person turned to me and said, Sabrina, this is a normal car. This isn't even our compact. I was like, stop it. They're like, you're the only country who supersizes everything. This is normal. And I just felt like I didn't have room to breathe. <laughs> I don't know. Weren't you also demonstrating how Hercules... Oh my gosh, how... <laughs> yes, that happened too in Turkey. She has a Hercules story. Um, so we were in Kusadasi. And they have this these columns that have been there for like 2,000 years. And 
they knew he was the son of Zeus because his arms could span these columns. <laughs> and so everyone's walking through them and they're like looking up and going, oh, wow. And then as I'm walking through them, I just gave it a try and I reached out and both my palms could hit either side of the column and i'm like hercules wasn't a son of god he was just fucking tall (laughs) but then as soon as i did that all the other tourists who saw it they were like oh my people started pulling out their cameras and taking a photo of me hercules was polynesian (laughs) he probably was (laughs) the more you know the more you know revisionist history with carly and sabrina (laughs) (laughs) malcolm gladwell we're coming for you But no, that's something... Oh, that's right. That was... Yeah, it's an official podcast title. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. No, I knew that, but I kind of forgot because I don't listen to that podcast a lot, so... He probably has as many, if not more, followers than us. Oh, yeah. And moving on. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to move the fuck on. Okay, so Hercules is Polynesian. (laughs) Americans supersize their cars. You know what, though? In our defense, I love the size of everything we have here. They just have it fucking ass backwards everywhere outside of the U.S. <laughs> America, America, <laughs> fuck yeah! Let's get let's get a Ford F one fifty. Like real Americans, don't be a pussy with your little <laughs> smart car. No, okay, I can't I can't do the Merca voice because it hurts my throat. <laughs> if the largest car in your country is a Prius, there's a problem. <laughs> And then their bathrooms are so narrow. They're, yeah. (laughs) Their bathrooms are, okay, I'm going to stop. Sabrina is an American exceptionalist. (laughs) Sabrina does hot takes on the world stage. Sabrina the ugly American. (laughs) No, I really was. Oh my God. I I really was. I would have embarrassed you. You'd never want to go to London with me. Sabrina at (laughs) procrastinationplanet.com. You know what though? You like tiny things. You would have fun in these. You would go to London and never come back. I could see you completely fitting in there, even though it's hard to breathe. Also, I'd probably feel very claustrophobic in the bathroom. Yeah, because you need your space too, huh? I gotta have room to shit. (laughs) I need to be comfortable if I'm taking a shit. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Or at least... Hook up a squatty potty or something for me. The thing is, um, I get uncomfortable with the water closet because I'm so used to, I see a sink, I have room, there's a mirror. Just having a small room where there's nothing but the toilet and then you have to exit this room to go to where you wash your hands and get ready, the powder room is separate. Mm. That gives me anxiety for some reason. It's like you're putting me in a closet to do my business. Go potty, Sabrina. Go make your potties. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. And there's nothing Did else. Did you make poopies? <laughs> there's nothing else in there. And the door is right in front of you. And then your shoulders are almost hitting each side of the wall. It's a porta potty. That's exactly oh. what it is. It's a porta potty yeah. inside your home. And then your powder room is separate. I like tiny things, but I also have limits. Like, I would never live in a tiny house. Oh. You know why? Why? Because when you got to take a shit, uh-huh. sometimes that bathroom stench will travel across the house. And if you live in a tiny house, if you blow up the bathroom, you blew up the whole entire house. I think with tiny houses, they go blow up the outdoors. Okay, see, I don't want to have to... Like, what if it's a shitty, stormy day? Or if it's a really super hot day because the sun tries to kill me? Or it's just one of those days where you don't want to go outside. <laughs> yeah, that too. I've gotten my vitamin D allotment for the day. I don't need any more sunshine on my skin. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to have to 
put on some fucking shoes to take a dump. Yeah. So you're in agreement that the rest of the world should keep up with America and build things accordingly. I never said that. You just said we're the greatest country in the world. I just said I want to have some room to take a shit. That's all. <laughs> and, and that is where our forefathers came up with everything else. Thank you. We the people. <laughs> we the toilet goers. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hmm. But I think even you've you've gone, you've, you've done cross country. I think things in California are even larger than things you might find in the Midwest and East Coast, huh? I honestly don't remember. I haven't noticed any significant okay. difference. But I think the whole massive truck is, is universal for the entire country. Ugh. From sea to shining sea, everyone's got to have their F-150. <laughs> Oy vey. After a certain point, that's just too much truck. Yeah. I mean, I can understand getting like the minivan or the station wagon or the SUV if you have a large family or something. Yeah. But yeah, um, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on from Sabrina trying to slander me. I'm going to go back to the movies. Nice. Or wait, did... No, you covered the Outlander and... I think it was the bathtub that we went off on the tangent. We went on the bathtub. They have cast iron clawfoot tubs. Oh, wow. And those are nice and roomy. Nice. Yeah. So we don't have to destroy rainforests to get a nice... A nice bathtub. Yeah. Good to know. So now when I see things and I can't afford that teak bathtub, it's not that I can't afford it. It's that I'm doing the rainforest a favor by not having one. Yes. That makes me feel better. Kind of like how my thrift shopping is an ecological and ethical choice. Oh, yeah. And not me being a broke bitch. Same here. Okay, so I, I wanted to remember the clawfoot tub thing before I moved on. Nice, thank you. You're welcome. So I am going to go to my favorite movie ever, 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 Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. If I'm in a shitty mood, I will watch Goodfellas. And I've seen it, I think, upwards of 600 times now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it so many times. And I'm trying to figure out why it's so comforting. It's like one of those I can just sink into it and do anything else I want to do. Do you go to certain scenes or you watch it from the beginning to the end? Beginning to end. They're, wow. That's the only way to watch it. Beginning to end. From the opening scene, all of my life I've always known I wanted to be a gangster. I go from rags to riches. Okay. I won't sing. We really have to go do Boca de Beppo's one night. Oh, God, we should. You would lose your shit there, I think. You're going to do the... I would sit facing the door. (laughs) That's how you do. Yeah. When you're part of the family. When you're part of the family. Oh, God, maybe it's because it makes me want to eat Italian food. Because the prison scene (sighs) where Paulie is slicing the garlic so thin that it melts in the pan. Oh, wow. And then making the pasta... I always mix up Goodfellas with Godfather 3 because I love both of them so much. Okay, number one, Godfather 3 doesn't exist. Number two, do not put that non-existent movie in the same sentence as Goodfellas. Goodfellas is sacred. Goodfellas is holy. Do not fuck up my Goodfellas. I'm don't holding a garrot. Don't touch Goodfellas. Don't touch I'm Goodfellas. I'm dangling a garrot in her face and she's like, oh God, don't use that garrot on me. <laughs> but that movie was flawless. Like, no wasted scenes whatsoever. The movie went to almost three hours, and yet there was nary a second of wasted footage. And that is extremely difficult to carry off. Would you say it was probably Scorsese's best film? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. God, I love that movie. 
And I, I love in the beginning, young Henry's got the whole mafia backing him up. Like he's cutting school and everything. And, you know, his dad beats him up for having cut school. And then the mafia guys are like, oh, which mailman? That one? <laughs> that one? Okay. Any letters from the truant officer come here <laughs> to this boy's house. They come to here. Do yeah. you understand? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I wish I had some mafia people getting my back in case of emergency. Exactly. But then, of course, you get to the end of the film, you're like, oh, yeah, those same mafia guys are going to have you whacked when times get tough. Yeah. So it's one of those movies that de-glamorizes the whole mafia thing really quick, but it's a weirdly comforting movie. Oh, also, if we're talking about favorite scenes, though, like when Karen calls Henry at the, um, I think it was at Maury's wig shop, and she's telling Henry that her neighbor had um, tried to assault her. Oh. He speeds over there and he tears across the street, grabs the neighbor, pistol whips the motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I may have rewound that scene a couple of times. Yes. That's a good pistol whipping right there. Oh, yeah. Not that I'm glorifying violence or anything like that, but... Some people need an ass beating. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be raping anybody. Yeah. The rapist asked for it. Shit. Don't be trying to rape anybody or you get pistol whipped. Exactly. Mm. Because of Goodfellas, did you get into The Sopranos when it came out? Um, I didn't have HBO at the time, so oh. I never really got the chance. Gotcha. Okay. But Goodfellas is your favorite and go-to mm-hmm. feel-good movie. Nice. Oh my god. Goodfellas is everything. But yeah, we gotta do... Boca de Beppos. Yes. Um, I'm not the same Sabrina I was a few years ago, but I would still hit up their family-sized pastas with you to mm. give it a go. We can split it. Oh, yeah. How's their gnocchi? Very good. Everything on the Boca de Beppo's menu. Menu is amazing. That sounds really good. Um, some garlic bread, some gnocchi with butter and parmesan. We just have to look for an excuse why we have to go to Palo Alto. Some kind of podcast-related business dinner yes i'm just i'm bugging carly for a moment to show her Ooh, that's beautiful i was just showing her boca de beppos and what it looked like it's kind of good fellasy we need to gather some people maybe some see this is a normal portion holy shit yeah it's like maybe yeah. two three people can eat one of those dishes oh my god one of my friends <clears throat> is sicilian mm-hmm. and she tweeted that there was a recipe that she was reading and the serving size of this pasta was like 1.66 ounces per person. And she said, this recipe was clearly not written by an Italian. (laughs) I love it. And Goodfellas does make you happy. That's a movie I will put in sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you need to watch it. more. You got to catch up with me. We need to have a Goodfellas watching party. Yes. Oh my God. That would be wonderful. I, I think s- that's a Christmas movie, too. That is a Christmas movie. Because there was a Christmas scene with the aluminum tree, and Henry was like, I got the most expensive tree on the lot! <laughs> and then he gives Karen her Hanukkah money. Aww. Yeah. For Christmas and be, for Hanukkah. I need to be as well-versed in this movie as you are. I think it's just the best movie ever made. <laughs> I should let you get to your bit. I keep cutting you off. No worries. <laughs> um, I have another movie for uh, Feel Good. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Lady Hawk. I'm taking it back. That's like 1982, 83. Wow, that's a throwback. Yes. and Is it Jan Michael Vincent in that one? Or am I getting that mixed up with something else? Or is that Airwolf? Uh, This is Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. So I'm going to explain it the way that my little kid's brain would explain this movie because I watched it over and over when I was little. (laughs) Two people fall in love. 
They are surrounded by haters who separate them. He turns into... Which one is... Oh, she's the hawk. So during the day, she turns into a hawk. A literal actual hawk. A literal actual hawk. That's the curse that was put on them. Okay. A literal actual hawk. And during the night, she becomes a human. And during the night, he's a wolf. And during the day, he's human. That curse was put on them so that they can never be human at the exact same time. Oh, wow. So he's decided that there's no hope for them and he's going to kill her so that she doesn't have to be, so she does not curse anymore. But this little kid, Matthew Broderick, and I kind of feel bad because I think this is the movie that Matthew Broderick accidentally hit someone and killed them in Ireland during the filming of Lady Hawk. Holy shit. This, this is back when he was like a little drunk and I think he ran over someone. You said he's a little kid doing this? Well, I think he was, when I say kid, he was like 20, 21. Okay, okay 20, 21 is not a kid. Okay. Okay, because the thing I'm really sick of is like white guys. Get to be called a kid up until to, 40, yeah. Yeah, and then and then black kids, like 13 years old, 12 years old, Are they're called young men. Young men, yeah. Yeah, fuck that shit. So he was about 20, 21. He was coming off of Ferris Bueller. They sent him out to Ireland to do this movie. And in the middle of shooting, I think he actually hit somebody with a car. Ooh. And he's been like sort of a little off ever since and mm. just really subdued and quiet. But going back to the movie... Um, he's this, uh, he's training to be a priest or something. Mm -hmm. So he comes up with, uh, he, 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 with this old guy come up with the, the way to break the curse. And so Javar, that is the person that is, um, Redgar Howard plays the wolf. He goes into the castle just to kill everyone and, and then die. But she comes in there and the way to break the, cur the curse is for them to be standing in the same spot at the same hour with the sun and the moon and an eclipse, and then the curse will be broken. So there's a scene where he's going to go for the final blow, and she's like, Javar! And they see each other, <laughs> and then they're reunited, you know, good-looking people, happily ever after. There's something about that movie. You know what? You're not getting it. I could see it in your eyes. <gasps> I just have to pull up this scene. Probably because it's something fantasy-related? I don't know. Um, it, it's you know. Although what? I loved The NeverEnding Story when I was a kid. You liked That movie story, was huh? everything. I asked that if you ever have a chance, watch Lady Hawk with Michelle Pfeiffer and Rudger Hauer. I do love Michelle Pfeiffer, though. She's flawless. Because she was coming off of... Um, I loved her in Scarface. She did... This This was right after Scarface. I loved her in Grease, too. Singing off key. So these are the two. Ah. Uh. And so there's another side to this. Rudger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer looked exactly like my Barbie dolls. <laughs> like my, my Ken and my Barbie doll, they, that's exactly wow. what they look like. So this is, I just thought they were perfection in this movie. And so there was something about Rudger Howard. He was doing all of those f fantasy movies because he did one with Jennifer Jason Lee, Blood and Blo Bone. Hmm. And I watched that one too, but that was actually a really horrific one where he actually, he kept her as a, a captive, hmm. had her chained up in the house or something. So um, there was a lot of shitty stuff in the 80s, but there was like some cool weird fantasy stuff and lady yeah. hawk is one of those it's like a feel-good movie and it usually comes on like tbs or something at three o'clock in the morning if i happen to see it i can't go to sleep i have to watch the whole thing through before i go to sleep and it makes me happy lady hawk might be your good fellows it might be maybe that's why you're getting on my case for not understanding it or wait a minute are, are, you've never seen it huh no I've got to figure out a way for you to watch Lady Hawk because I think you have to see it to understand just how awesome it was. So, okay, you know how some people are assholes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's haters. Look at this photo of Michelle Pfeiffer when she stares down her hater. That fierce look. 
Oh, God, she's wonderful. We need to put that on our social media. Yes, that face. That face. What is that? Is that just young and in control, or is that just... That's just Michelle Pfeiffer. That's oh, my just Michelle God, Pfeiffer, she is everything. Right? And how is she carrying off this mom haircut? And that haircut. And I used to want like that a mom, haircut. Right? Because she... Okay, so if you're anything like me, you brought a haircut picture into the hairdresser thinking you're going to look like the person. Yes. Like, if I were to give this to a hairdresser... I would expect to look like Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. At the end of everything. Um, she's just one. And I forget just how amazing and fierce she is mm-hmm. until I saw that movie Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. So you have Jennifer Lawrence, who's like the star of the Hunger Games, and she's the star of this movie Mother. And then all of a sudden, a supporting character walks in and it's Michelle Pfeiffer. But the minute Michelle Pfeiffer walks into the room, you know fucking Michelle Pfeiffer is standing right there. Mm-hmm. You can't even remember Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, who... Who's Jennifer Lawrence even? Exactly. And so get Lady out Hawk. Get out of here, Jennifer Lawrence. Bring Michelle Pfeiffer up. I got to find a way for you to watch Lady Hawk because oh I think God. if you see that, you're going to be like, whoa, that's what she was talking about. That's a good idea. Yeah. Do you need to charge your phone? I probably do. I have a few outlets. Oh, I didn't bring a charger. You don't have to. Oh. I know, right? This is. I get down to 1% and then I'll be in the middle of nowhere and I'll be out of gas as well. And you're I'm like, irresponsible, you know Sabrina. I should... <laughs> Be responsible. I carry a charger in my purse. I really And I should. plug it into my car when I drive. I won't remember until it's raining and dark and I'm out of I'm gas. I'm paranoid about... Stuff like that, huh? Having car trouble. So it's like, I want my phone to be 100% charged when I drive. I've had car trouble in the middle of the night with 2% on my cell phone. And yet you don't learn. And I never learn. <laughs> Come on, Sabrina. Do you have a death wish or something? Death wish, Sabrina. So we've got Lady Hawk as your feel-good movie. Yes. Let's see. Do I want to bring it back to reading? Ooh. I'm going to go with a contemporary comfort read and mention Samantha Irby. Nice. Bitches gotta eat. Used to be a blogger. Now she's an essayist. Yes. And I got started with the Bitches Gotta Eat blog from close to the beginning. Nice. Yeah. I think she'd had the blog for a couple of years when I had discovered it and her blog ended up getting her a book deal and of course I had to buy a brand new spanking new copy of Meaty her collection of essays <laughs> and then she also had the um she also had the essay collection we are never meeting in real life oh did you, I think you may have read one of those or sent a link of one of those because that sounds familiar did I put that on my Instagram a long time ago I may have or I may have posted it to um, one of my Facebook groups that I used to be on. I really don't do Facebook anymore. I just check my notifications. I check my messages. And if there's something on the front page while I'm getting to the notifications, yeah, I'll see if it's worth my nanosecond while. But other than that, it's just kind of um, a sharing ground for my Instagram photos. Yeah. But anyway, the thing I love about Samantha Irby is... She seems to have a blog post for every occasion. Yes. She doesn't update the blog itself very often because now she gets paid to write. I think she has a lot of essays on, um, I believe, Marie Claire and Shondaland and... Shondaland? Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you have dating woes, I've had some friends with dating woes and whatnot, so I've pointed them to various posts. If you have to deal with people who think their shit don't stink... Oh, yeah. There is a blog post called Your Self-Esteem is Too Damn High. I mean, it's aimed at like when you're dating a guy who has ridiculously high standards and he treats you like shit, but he's really super regular. 
It's like, you don't look like this underwear model who can get away with doing horrible shit. So don't act like you look like this underwear model. Yeah. I look regular. This is why I'm nice. This is why you should be nice, too. But she says everything a lot funnier. (laughs) And she also has posts about getting through the holidays. Because I find the holidays depressing and really stressful. And sometimes I'm able to, to travel down to see family. But sometimes I'm not able to make it down. Yeah. Is that is the sadness comes from just not getting there in time, huh? Yeah. Or I'm just like really stressed with all the planning and everything of trying to make the travel plans. I hate making travel plans. Oh my God. But sometimes if I'm not able to make it down for the holidays, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this post that is hilarious about getting through the holidays. So she has a lot of posts on that. She has a lot of posts on um, getting through all kinds of medical trouble. She was talking about... um, She talks quite candidly about her Crohn's disease. Oh, wow. She's pretty frank about everything, but also really funny. And being funny no way minimizes the seriousness of the situation. It's basically a way of getting through the situation because you don't have to be all doom and gloom all the time. I'm looking up Crohn's disease right now to see if I have it. Oh, no. I can't do that because I think I have everything. I'm one of those WebMD hypochondriacs. Me too. But um, I was also going to add that if you're having drama with people and you really fucking hate them, there's a post she has called block everyone and pretend they died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I do that all the time. I love it. Oh, my God. I've done that one. And God, what else was there? She also has a post called um, the best parts of Fifty Shades of Grey to jack off to. <laughs> What's that one about? Well, it kind of says so on the tin. Gotcha. She, she reads her favorite passages and... <laughs> As her commentary on there. There is one line of dialogue from what's-his-name Christian Grey says, I have many expensive and absorbing hobbies. It's like, who the fuck talks like that? But her commentary was, I like a man with hobbies. Yes. Because that's the thing. Like, when you're brand new part of a couple, Mm -hmm. you kind of get borderline codependent and you're just like, you want to spend every waking nanosecond with that person. But then you've been with someone for a long ass time and you still like each other, but you still need your space. Yeah. Because you kind of need some time to decompress and time to be yourself and know that you have an identity outside of your significant other. And that is super important. I believe you. The more you know. Unicorn butt rainbow. (laughs) So, Samantha Irby, thanks for bringing that one up. You are welcome. Um, You've read a couple of blogs to me while we were, like, I think at the salon. Oh, yeah. Every time she was updating with a new post. Yes. I'd be like, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. Check this shit. And I'd read stuff out loud, and then the nail techs would be looking at us like we're weird. Yeah. And I'm like, you're the one who keeps burning me (laughs) when you're filing my nails wrong. Shut up. Exactly. I think those are some really good ideas we came up with for comfort. Oh, yeah. Do you have any others? I can't think of anything. We might could be pretty good. Cool. So, Goodfellas, Ladyhawk, Galaxy Quest. This is a by no means exhaustive list, but this is all we can think of at the moment. To to make yourself happy when you're down in the dumps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And watch Goodfellas. Godfather Part 3 doesn't exist. And you never, ever, ever put those movies in the same sentence. Not if you value your life. Like she just did putting it in the same sentence because she knows both films are beautiful. I was demonstrating a what not to do. Do not sully Goodfellas ever. I will cut you, Sabrina. Okay. On that note, 
I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We love you, Romania. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at ProcrastinationPlanetPodcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.